This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's The Bull in Cleveland with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's me, Adam the Bull. This is The Bull in Cleveland, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about coming off a big weekend. Joe Thomas in the Hall of Fame, Browns win the Hall of Fame game, Jose Ramirez might soon be a boxer, and the Guardians have completely fallen apart. That's all coming up with me, The Bull in Cleveland, brought to you by Bet Rivers. You're listening to The Bull in Cleveland on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, folks, we, we'll get to the the football in in just a few minutes, but let's dive right into what happened this weekend. And unfortunately for the Guardians, their highlight is a boxing match. That's about it. Uh, The Guardians have actually lost two in a row and seven of their last nine games to basically fall out of it in the American League Central. Some would argue that they gave up as soon as they hit the trade deadline and traded away players. But nonetheless, in this bad division, they were still in the mix. And now they're kind of falling out of it. Minnesota's moving... Move to a season high, five games over 500. The Guardians are four games under 500. Uh, they're just as close to uh, third place Detroit as they are to first place Minnesota at this point. But the highlight, the one positive for the weekend, was the fight between Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson. And uh, I don't know, some people may have been disturbed by it. Some people may have been bothered by it. I don't think it's in general. I don't think we want to see a lot of fights in in baseball. I don't think we want to see a lot of fights in any sport. We could argue uh, it was part of the hockey culture, but uh, certainly that that's changed. There's not as much fighting in hockey as there used to be. And none of the other sports are known for fighting baseball, football, basketball. These fights happen occasionally, especially in football, but usually they're lame and you know, it's just a lot of pushing and shoving, or especially in baseball and basketball. There's a lot of standing around at baseball. There's a lot of uh, guys jogging out from the bullpen, pretending they care or want to get involved. But uh, the other night in this game, uh, th- this was crazy in this matchup. Uh, Jose Ramirez slides into second base. It seems like nothing with nothing after he gets a hit. Uh, he and Tim Anderson have some words. It looks like. Jose kind of shoves Tim Anderson, puts his or puts his hand in his face. Can't tell if it's sure if he shoved him. Uh, Ramirez said, did say after the game that uh, he said that Tim Anderson doesn't respect the game, that he has a reputation of being a little too uh, frisky with the tag, if you will, a little too hard with the tag. I don't know. All I know is Jose Ramirez doesn't usually get mad. As you will soon hear, he did get mad. This is uh, Tom Hamilton, the voice of the Cleveland Guardians, one of the best in the business, with a great call of the play that led to the fight, and he calls the fight, too. Here's Tom Hamilton. Here it comes. A swing and a smash to first by the diving Vaughn. Down the right field line. Kicks into the corner. Ramirez on his way to second. Head first slide. Safe and in to score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. 
right over the bag at first. Now Hosey and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Ramirez went in with a head first slide. Hosey never gets upset about anything. They came up chewing. Anderson squared off. Hosey decked him. I mean, that was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Tom Hamilton goes, down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. A la, I mean, <laughs> that was that was a, a great boxing call uh, in a baseball game. That's why Tom Hamilton, uh, everybody loves him here in Cleveland. Just the guy's the best. I mean, he's absolutely amazing play-by-play man. And for him to flip the switch from baseball mode to boxing mode was pretty impressive and pretty awesome. I know, Again, like I said, if you take little kids to the game and you end up seeing a fight, that's not ideal. So, I, you know, it, it doesn't show good sportsmanship, and we don't want our kids fighting, right? It's not ideal. But, you know, sometimes in life you got to stand up for yourself. Well, not sometimes. You should always stand up for yourself. And sometimes when you stand up for yourself, it will occasionally lead to a fight. It's unfortunate. It should never, it should, in a perfect world, that would never happen. But sometimes to stand up for yourself, it's going to come to that. And, uh, you know, um, so I, I don't have a problem with it. There probably are some people that do. I found it funny. Uh, Tim Anderson was the first one to drop the gloves, if you will. I mean, that was like an old school hockey type of fight in a way, except they weren't on skates. The way the umpire was breaking it up at first, and then they then Tim Anderson drops his glove and Ramirez, you know, and they square up and the and the and the umpire's like, okay, well, you know, I'm not getting in the middle of this. You guys want to punch each other. So the umpire just backed up. And I thought that was I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was entertaining. Again, I don't want to see fights in baseball all the time. I bear I don't really want to see them almost ever. But once in a while, uh, it, it made for good entertainment. And let's face it, the Guardians are bad and boring. They're 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 a really bad baseball team. They're not much fun to watch. Uh, Jose Ramirez has been one of the few players that's been fun to watch, and he was again when he knocked Tim Anderson on his ass. Tim Anderson was ready to go by the end. He had to be helped off the field, and he didn't play yesterday when the Guardians lost again. But uh, listen, Jose's had a great season. Josh Naylor's had a great season for the Guardians. Tanner Bybee hasn't been much else to be excited about. Yesterday's game was a disaster. They gave up all those unearned runs. Uh, Rocchio and and then you had uh, uh, Cole Calhoun playing first. Throws in the dirt. Calhoun, no experience at first base. Uh, can't scoop him out. The thing was ugly. Frankly, the Guardians are not worth watching anymore. They have 50 games left on the season. Uh, they're 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 very likely going to have their worst record of the Terry Francona era. The worst record they've had since he took over as manager a decade ago was eighty and eighty-two. They're they're not going to win eighty games this year, not with the team as it's currently constituted, with the guys they've traded away. Not that they were that great, but they they're better than what they have. Um, certainly with Savali at pitcher specifically, uh, and, and Naylor on the injured list as well. 
at this point, who knows when Bieber and McKenzie will be back. So I, I would think the Guardians will finish with, you know, somewhere in the 70s in terms of wins. Yesterday, as I mentioned, they gave it the three runs late. Hardly Emmanuel Classe's fault who, you know, gets the blown save in this one as the uh, the Guardians just butchered the ball in the last inning. So that's about it for the Guardians. Really the highlight of the weekend, uh, again, was just a fight. It's sad, but that's what it is. Uh, this week for the Guardians, in case you are still paying attention to what they're doing on the field, we're not going to spend a ton of time on the Guardians the rest of the the rest of the the rest the next two months. Honestly, in the podcast, going to be a lot about the Browns. But uh, this week they will play uh, seven games in seven days. They continue their homestand with a four game set with Toronto. Uh, the next four days, starting tonight, all games at seven ten, except for the Thursday game at one ten, and then they'll go to Tampa Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So. The Guardians are already playing poorly, and the next nine games they're playing Toronto, Tampa, Cincinnati, all teams in the playoff mix, although Cincinnati's been kind of cratering of late. But uh, the Guardians don't <laughs> – they don't have many easy games left. I mean, they got, they've got they uh, got seven games with the Tigers and, and three with Kansas City. Otherwise, they're playing teams that are all pretty good. You know, like I said, the Reds aren't playing great now. The Angels, who they play in September, are struggling a little bit now, but they only have 10 games left against bad teams in their final 50. So I I think there's a chance uh, the Guardians don't even win 70 games. Oh, what am I talking about? Don't even, don't even win 75 games. We'll see. All right, let's switch to football. Uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Of course, the latest class gets in, led by our guy, Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas, uh, one of the most likable players, one of the most thoughtful players, one of the most intelligent players, one of the best players. Uh, he's friendly to everybody. He treats everybody well. He treats everybody with respect. He was a, an absolute beast on the field, dominated from the moment he came into the league till the moment he retired playing 10,363 uh, 10, consecutive snaps. Obviously, he got hurt at that point, and that was the end of his career. It's a shame he never got to the playoffs. It's a shame he never got a Super Bowl. Uh, but it's great that he stayed in Cleveland his whole career. The fans love him. The crowd was bonkers down in Canton uh, for his induction. His speech was awesome. It was really cool with his kids and his wife inducting him into the Hall of Fame. I don't know his wife, but she seems awesome. His kids seem like really cool kids. I thought it was awesome that uh, uh, one of his kids, I can't remember, I think it's Jack, um, is is booing Steeler fans as they're on the parade, <laughs> giving his thumbs down to Steeler fans. That's a kid who's been taught well. Uh, so what can you say? The guy is unbelievable. Uh a lot of former teammates showed up, including Joe Hayden, who the Browns should never let get out of here. Everybody was excited. The guy, you know, he he could have easily just taken it easy the last couple of years, right? He he gave it his all, and nobody would have blamed him if he got used to the losing. But he never let it get him down. He never let it affect his play. He never let it affect his interactions with fans and media. 
or anybody else. He was class personified. He still is class personified. Um, and no, it's just a shame. Uh, it's a shame that he has the worst winning percentage of anybody in the Hall of Fame. I, I should I, I shouldn't even mention that stat because it's zero percent his fault that his teams had a bandwidth record, and it's a shame. It's it's that it's, uh, it's a it's a shanda as my as uh, you, you'd say in um, in Yiddish uh, that uh, that the Browns never put good talent around him, never. And yet he well they no, I shouldn't say that they put some good talent around him on the offensive line. He played with Joe Batonio. He played with Alex Mack and a lot of other guys. I mean, he he played with some really really good offensive linemen, but they never they never got a quarterback a good quarterback for him to block for. And yet he blocked from one slappy after the next and did his job to the absolute top. I mean, the guy was nobody was more prepared. Uh, he was incredible, incredible player, and couldn't be happier for Joe Thomas who I know a little, but but don't know as certainly as well as, as you know, a lot of people. But uh, my interactions with him have always been great. I can't say there's zero bad things to say. There's there's nothing. nothing I mean, I, I think he's a 10 out of 10 at every, every experience I've had with him. I've never met a single person that had a bad interaction with him ever. Everybody loves Joe Thomas. His teammates, uh, like I said, the fans, the media, everybody. Uh, by the way, I think he might be thinner than Darrell Rivas. Who weighs more, Joe Thomas or Darrell Rivas? Darrell Rivas was a corner. When they played, uh, Darrell Rivas probably weighed 140 pounds less than Joe Thomas, give or take. So, um, anywho, uh, on the field, and, and the whole Hall of Fame weekend was great. I know, you know, the lights going out it was not excellent. Uh, I, I thought um, the comments from who was it? That, uh, Tim Kalashaw of ESPN just uh, thoughtlessly saying, well, maybe they should move the game from Canton, play it in Pittsburgh or even Cleveland. First of all, you'd never play at Pittsburgh. It's an Ohio event. But it, it just like sometimes if you don't know what to say, shut the F up. You know what I'm saying? Like Tim Kalashaw, it's bad enough you've decided to go with this this bad facial hair you run with the with the goatee which is just a bad look uh and i shouldn't take personal shots because you know everybody call me fat all day long but you know it, it, the 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 people behind the pro football hall of fame the hall of fame village which is beautiful and just being expanded there's gonna be a water park there's gonna be so many other things uh the stadium is beautiful you know he refers to it as a high school stadium in on on ESPN, Kalashaw. And yes, technically this high school team does play there, but anybody that's been to the stadium knows it's not a high school stadium, as I say in air quotes. There's nothing high school about it. The uh, USFL plays games there because it's an amazing stadium. Uh, there was thought, well, there was a field problem a couple of years ago. Okay, that's been dealt with. The lights was a freak occurrence. That has nothing to do with the stadium. It was a freak thing. What are you going to do? The stadium is beautiful. The whole town is is based on the weekend. And yeah, the weekend would still be amazing there even without the game. But the game is a big part of it. And I'm not I'm someone who's made it clear before. I'm not that into the I I'm not into the preseason. I don't care about the games themselves, but a lot of people do. And this is a huge event 
for all of Northeast Ohio, but especially for Canton, Ohio, that relies on this, relies on the money coming in this weekend. And for Kalashaw, uh, that just uh, haphazardly put that out there. Oh, they should move the game. Not that anybody's listening to him, but that's stupid. The game should always be played at the birthplace of football, Canton, Ohio. And it's a great place and a great location and and uh, absolutely should not move the game. And not that they will. Um, but the Browns uh, had a nice second half in the game for what it's worth. Uh, watching the two quarterbacks in this one for the Browns, I thought Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the rookie, looked very good. Again, I take it all with a grain of salt because you have third and fourth stringers mostly playing in this situation. Uh, but Dorian Thompson-Robinson did look very good, 8 of 11, 82 yards, and a touchdown. I thought um, what really stood out was a couple of things in this game. Um, I, I think most especially, first of all, obviously the Browns ran the ball very well. But what really stood out to me was the play of a couple of rookies. Dewan Jones, the, I believe he's 6'8", 375 offensive lineman drafted in the fourth round out of Ohio State, looked awesome. And he played, I believe, the whole game and did not allow a pressure the whole time. And Cedric Tillman uh, loved the side. I mean, seeing him on the field for the first time in an NFL uniform, even though it's a preseason game, he looked just so big and strong. And I, I you know, the, the Browns have blown it with their third round picks the last two years. Anthony Schwartz with a fumble in the game is probably getting cut. The 2021 third round pick, the 2022 second, uh, third round pick, David Bell showed nothing last year. And we'll see. Cedric Hillman's got to prove it when it matters in real games, but he looks like a player to me. I love the size, the ability to run routes, the ability to catch the ball. He doesn't have, blazing speed, which is why he dropped to the third round. He also dropped to the third round because he's coming off uh, an injury last year. But two years ago, ago, this guy was great in college. There's an opportunity here, and I think he's got a chance to cut into some of the first-team uh, reps, you know, even when we – he's going to play. I mean, he, I, I think, he, to me, he's the leading candidate to be the fourth wide receiver, and who knows? Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to be out of here after this year. Uh, who knows? Cedric Tillman and Elijah Moore, I think, are the future for the Browns. Now, again, Cedric Tillman has proven nothing. I just like what I saw from him, and I like the potential of what he could bring to the table. Um, there's definitely talent there. Can he can he put it all together? And how quickly? We shall see. But there's definitely talent there. I, I like what I saw. And Dewan Jones, I, I want him, when when they are playing the starters – in weeks two and three or weeks two and four, whenever they do that. Uh, I'd like to see a little more of Dewan Jones because this guy is huge. And I thought he played extremely well, but we got to see him uh, blocking for, for Deshaun Watson. We got to see him uh, blocking maybe for Nick Chubb, although I don't know if Nick Chubb's going to play in the preseason. I honestly wouldn't play him at all. But uh, I want to see him going up against a couple of first-team uh, pass rushers. And Washington, playing Washington this week, and, uh, you know, Washington has their flaws, but they can rush the passer. So I hope that we see him in with the first group. I don't know that we will, but I hope we do. Brown's uh, second preseason game is Friday at 7.30 in Cleveland. Brown's for uh, uh, are, I believe, a one-point favorite in this game. 
Let me uh, see if that's been updated for those who may bet preseason. Uh, by the way, the um, let's see. Yeah, it's a one. They're a one point favorite. Uh, looking ahead to the first regular season game, you may remember that uh, when the spread first came out at Bet Rivers, the Bra- the Bengals were a three and a half point favorite in Cleveland for opening day. Opening day is about a month away, right? September 10th. And so the Bengals were three and a half point favorite in Cleveland. Joe Burrow had the injury in practice. The, 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 the line went off the board. Line is back up at Bet Rivers. And the Bengals are now a one and a half point favorite. So it seems like everybody thinks that Joe Burrow is going to play. Now the line has gone down two points with the possibility he might not. But if 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 Joe Burrow was ruled out for the game, the Browns would be favored. I think. So I think I don't. I think it would would have changed a lot more than two points for a regular season game. By the way, uh, at Bet Rivers, the Browns are plus one fifteen to make the playoffs, minus one thirty nine to not make it. So they're they, uh, at Bet Rivers. Uh, the sports book thinks where the Browns are more likely than not to to not make it, but it's not overwhelming. Uh, most uh, Browns are plus 375 to finish first, plus 290 to finish second, plus 230 to finish third, plus 220 to finish uh, fourth. And their over-under is 9.5. Under 9.5, minus 130. Over 9.5, plus 105. So, there you go. Uh, a couple others. Sean Watson, over 4,000.5 passing yards, and the Browns win the AFC North, plus 750. Nick Chubb, most regular season rushing yards and Browns to make the playoffs, plus 1,000. Nick Chubb, over nine and a half rushing touchdowns. Miles Garrett, over 14.75 sacks, plus 475. I like that one a lot. I think, I think those things will both happen. And Amari Cooper, over 1,000.5 receiving yards. David Njoku, over four and a half receiving touchdowns, uh, plus 400. I kind of like that, too. I'm kind of in on both of those. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Um, coming up later this week, we've got the NFC East preview. So we continue our tour around the league, getting ready for the start of the NFL season. I'll probably have an NFC North preview this week. A lot to get to. Uh, thanks to Brian Monzo for producing. I'll talk to you next time. Where else? But right here with me, the Bull in Cleveland, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Thanks for listening to The Bull in Cleveland on the Bet Rivers Network.